Hello, this is On Our Radar. I'm Adrian Monk at the World Economic Forum in Geneva. Every week, I take a look at the things that are bubbling up on the global agenda. And this week, what's bubbling up is tax and robots. So robots might take your job. In fact, a robot might take my job. I work for the World Economic Forum, and last year, some of my colleagues looked at what robots might do to jobs in 15 economies around the world. And those economies account for two-thirds of the world's workforce. They say robots will chuck 5 million people out of work by 2020. What do we do about that? Well, the world's richest man, Bill Gates, has a solution to the problems these employment terminators might cause. Tax them. You ought to be willing to raise the tax level and slow down the speed of automation, Gates says. That's because... The technology and business cases for replacing human beings in a wide range of jobs are coming at us simultaneously, and we need to manage the process. Cue the sound of teacups dropping on the floor by cake trolleys. Hold on a minute, says the Financial Times. Yes, we're right to be worried about the speed with which robots are taking jobs, but is a tax on robots the way to go? In the same pages, Larry Summers, famous economist, former Treasury Secretary, brings to the defence of the Cyberdyne Systems gang. I can't see any logic, he says, to singling out robots as job destroyers. What about kiosks that give you aeroplane boarding passes, word processors that speed up the making of documents, mobile banking, autonomous vehicles, vaccines that prevent disease and destroy jobs in medicine? There are lots of types of innovation that let us produce more stuff and better. Why would you want to pick on robots? And he's got a point. Why indeed? Isn't it better we let robots do nasty jobs like investigating irradiated nuclear power plants, diffusing bombs or going down sewers to clean them? But is this really what Bill Gates is getting at? The FT's renegade blogger Isaac Kaminska really understands what is the revolutionary heart of Bill Gates' proposal. She says a call for a robot income tax is really just a call for more corporation tax and wealth tax. The world's richest man is secretly calling for a wealth tax. Well, funnily enough, that's also what the world's most radical economist, Thomas Piketty, has been calling for. He actually wrote a paper called Capital and Wealth Taxation in the 21st Century, in addition to writing his great book, which was reviewed back in 2014 by none other than Bill Gates. Bill talks about Piketty's favourite solution, a progressive wealth tax on capital rather than income. And he agrees that we need to do something about the fact there are fewer people having jobs, there's less income to tax, but he says it doesn't make any sense to do that through a wealth tax when what you really want to tax is consumption. So Bill Gates, when he talks about robots, isn't really talking about a wealth tax at all. But he is worried about how we pay for government, how we pay for benefits, how we pay for some of the kind of things that government provides, like health, like education, like defence all of the things we've come to know and love from big government. So what tax is the right tax in societies facing massive technological upheaval and widening wealth inequality? Well, one answer comes from someone who was deeply concerned with the effects of widening inequality on the political order, a man called Henry George. In 1879, he wrote a bestseller called Progress and Poverty, and it warned of the corrosive mix of democracy and inequality. Political equality, said George, when coexisting with increasing tendency towards unequal distribution of wealth will ultimately beget either tyranny or anarchy. 
When the disparity of condition increases, democratic elections make it easy to seize the source of power. Many feel no connection with the conduct of government. Embittered by poverty, they're ready to sell their votes to the highest bidder or follow the most blatant demagogue. Does that sound familiar? George had a solution, and it was a solution that was a tax. He wanted to tax nothing except the rents from land. Wealthy people tend to own a lot of land. Poor people tend to own very little. George said that land value levies should replace all other taxation, leaving labour, work and capital money to flourish freely and thus ending unemployment, poverty, inflation and inequality in one go. Was he right? Well, most taxes don't just depress economic activity, they also move it. They move it to offshore financial centres. As fast as people crack down on tax loopholes, clever accountants find new ones. When England introduced a window tax in the 17th century, people started bricking up their windows to get round the tax man. As soon as you can invent taxes, people find ways to get round them. Problem is, land doesn't go anywhere, you can't hide it under the bed, you can't move it cunningly to an offshore location. Land is land is land. What stopped people from taking up George's ideas? Well, there's a small matter of politics. Every tax comes with political implications. Taxing robots might get them asking for representation or help doing their tax returns, but when it comes to taxing the rents on land, all of us have an interest. Do we want people building in our back gardens? The only country that's grappled with this is little Estonia. Estonia introduced exactly what George wanted and even it has had to rein back because the political cost of bringing in a tax like the one he suggested was too much. So the ultimate barrier to tax changes isn't robots, it's us. There's no need to wait for the robot revolution when self-aware robots can ask for rights before they get taxed. It'll take a long time for us to get our heads around the politics of what it really means to redistribute money to pay for the services we all want. Now, we've only talked about taxes here, but if you wonder about the problem of job losses from new technology, so too did British economist John Maynard Keynes. This is from his future-focused essay, Economic Possibilities for Our Grandchildren, which was published in 1930. We're suffering not from the rheumatics of old age, but from the growing pains of over-rapid change, from the painfulness of readjustment between one economic period and another. The increase of technical efficiency has been taking place faster than we can deal with the problem of absorption. The increase of technical efficiency has been taking place faster than we can deal with the problem of labour absorption. In other words, finding new jobs for people. So even if we don't tax new technologies which may liberate us from drudgery and offer us more leisure time, we have yet to adapt ourselves and our society to the forms that less onerous work might take. That's been On Our Radar. I'm Adrian Monk. Look forward to talking to you next week.